Welcome to The Loaded Goat. I'm Aaron. And I'm Chris. Today we're doing The Darlings Are Coming, and we're excited to have Kevin Burke with us. He is a pop culture historian and has podcast Burke on Mayberry. Welcome, Kevin. It's my pleasure to be here. So, love to hear a little more about yourself and your work, but also what draws you to The Andy Griffith Show. Okay. I'm a college professor, teach sports psychology is my main interest, sports sociology, sports history, and sport in the cinema. I um, have watched The Andy Griffith Show since the 1960s. My father and mother divorced when uh, I was in third grade, so I always felt like watching Andy Griffith Show and watching Andy and Opie was sort of like watching or idealizing you know, what might be the relationship between my father and I, which was very good. But I've always enjoyed The Andy Griffith Show, still watch it to this day. I've already watched a few episodes today. And uh, how I got into the podcast was really interesting. Uh, It was about 2005 or 2006. The university was starting this new thing called podcasting. And so someone from the technology center comes to me and said, hey, would you be interested in doing a podcast? I said, absolutely. I'd love to do it. And they said, all right, we'll be in touch. So after they left, I then did a Google search to find out what a podcast was. I had no idea. And so they said, we want you to pick something that you really enjoy and have a fever for. And I'm, well, obviously, it was the Andy Griffith show. So when I told them I wanted to do Burke on Mayberry, they said, that'd be great. And so it actually started as part of East Tennessee State University. But as I moved on from there, and they've changed their podcasting format, then I've I've moved it out of there. And actually, uh, with the help of Alan Newsom, who does another podcast, I've been yeah. able to uh, keep it going. Yeah, we've had Alan on a couple of. Alan's joined us for a few episodes, and I've seen. I noticed you're on the I, I, Burke on Mayberry's on the I Mayberry site, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, it is, and uh, I appreciate Alan doing that because he's been he's an expert technology wise. So anytime I have trouble, I send him an email, and he responds, and he's gotten me through it. So uh, Alan's great, and what Alan loves, I always brag that I was the first person to ever do a podcast on the Andy Griffith Show. And what Alan loves is the fact that he's probably done five times as many podcasts as I have, <laughs> although he started later than I did. Yeah, he's been going at it. You both have been going at it a long time, for sure. Yeah, he's a little bit faster than I am, though, but I, I give him credit. He's done a lot of great podcasts. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We're the, uh, I guess we're the new kids on the block in that regard. Well, that there's never enough talk about the Andy Griffith Show in my book. I agree. I agree. Well, if y'all are ready, we'll go ahead and dive in. Sounds good. All right. So this episode first aired on March 18th, 1963. And we open with the Darlings coming to town in a massive truck with radiator issues. And Briscoe, the father, gets out to inspect, as does his daughter, Charlene. And Briscoe's played by Denver Pyle, whose actual, uh, it turns out his last name was used for Gomer and Goober, um, just because he was a known actor at the time. And he's been in, he was in numerous movies and westerns. He was, I mean, best, probably one of, best remembered, I guess, by, Younger generations for playing Uncle Jesse on the Dukes of Hazard, but he was also in numerous westerns. He's the uh, plays the uh, Texas Ranger who takes out Bonnie and Clyde and Bonnie and Clyde. Love uh, that movie. Yeah, it's a great movie. And uh, but he's also, I mean, he's you know he's he's got he's one of those people who just has a uh, very memorable face to him, very memorable aura. I remember, I think probably the last thing I saw him in. I know he made movies after that. I'm pretty sure, but he was in Maverick, and he's one of the gamblers who gets caught cheating, and they're going to throw him off the boat, and he says, "Don't throw me, I'll just jump." Go <laughs> <laughs> ahead. No, I was just going to say he's quite an accomplished actor. Yeah, he for a, sure. 
mechanical question. Is this a steam engine or is that just pouring water to cool down the normal engine? I think it's just pouring water to cool down the normal engine. Okay. Yeah, that's what that's what I would guess. Do you notice what happens when Andy walks around the back of the truck? Have you ever noticed what's coming out of Andy's pant leg? No. Uh, next time you watch this episode, watch as Andy's coming around the back of the truck to warn them about taking water out of the horse trough. Look at his left pant leg and you'll see a microphone cord coming out of his pants. And that was the microphone. They had it on his body somewhere. But when they shot this, they didn't hide the cord at all. And you can actually see it very well. It's, it's very quick, but you can see it very well as he's walking around the back of the truck. Oh, really? Huh. It's long annoyed me that Andy's pants are always bunched up around his boots. <laughs> and so... Uh, I have always wondered about that, too. He, he always has that. And I just wondered if he just didn't care or if he just or if it, I know Andy had back issues and he just didn't bother in real life and he just didn't bother to lean down to, to fix them. It just never has made sense to me. Yeah, You know, uh, it's I've always found that interesting, too. It, it used to bother me. And then I thought, well, maybe he did that because that's what he remembers people in Mount Airy doing. You know, they just didn't bother to straighten their pant leg. You know, um, I, I also started a chapter years ago in the Andy Griffith Show Rerun Watchers Club, and I named the title of my chapter Thumbs in Pockets. And I think my wife and I are the only members. And the whole reason I named it that way was because Andy, in particular, stands around with his thumbs in his pockets quite often. And I mm-hmm. just thought that was sort of unusual. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And that is, yeah, you, now that you mention it, he, I've noticed that he does do that. Yeah. Charlene is played by Maggie Peterson Mancusa, who sadly passed away earlier this year, but obviously is just so wonderful in this role. And the four sons in the truck, I think, is probably everybody knows except Christopher from a real-life bluegrass band called the Dillards. <laughs> they were actually from Salem, Missouri, but came to Los Angeles to play a show out there. They then signed with Electra Records, and when Andy read about this, they were hired for the Andy Griffith Show. I did see, I did watch the trailer all the way through. Or, sorry, not the trailer, the, the credits all the way through, and did see that it was introducing the Dillards. So, used to shop at the department store, love the family. I think we're talking about two different, right. two different, two different Dillard families, Christopher. All right, all right, all right. I've got a couple of stories about the Dillards. Uh, they come to uh, Mount Airy for Mayberry Days, and the, one of the early Mayberry Days I attended, my whole goal was to meet Charlene Darling, Maggie uh, Peterson, Mancuso. And so uh, they had this show on Saturday night, and the show ended. And, you know, there's hardly any security there because you don't need it in in that area because everybody takes care of each other. But I sneaked backstage with my wife and my wife, I was a little nervous. And my wife said, Miss Mancuso, my husband is dying to meet you. Said, can he get a photo with you? She said, sure. And she grabbed me and said, huggy, huggy. And that was the photo that my wife took. So that was my first meeting with her. And uh, and a few years later, we, my wife and I both got a photo with her. Had breakfast with her one morning at a at a hotel. She happened to be staying at the same hotel at Mayberry Days, and we got to talking. I just had accepted a role in a in a play and was ha- going to have to do a British accent. And we were talking about that. And lo and behold, Karen Knotts walks by, Don Knotts' daughter, and she goes, "Hey, Karen, he just got a role, needs a British accent." And so Karen stopped by and chatted with us too. So that was pretty cool. Now with Rodney and Doug Dillard, they did one of their normal shows, which they do at Mayberry Days. And I went down to after the show and met them. I had got a, my wife and I got a great photo with Rodney and Doug. So it's, uh, they were all very friendly and it was very, it was a lot of fun. You know, it's 
this is, and I didn't appreciate this at the time. And that's a great story. I've, I've heard that about Maggie Peterson, that she really would just was just the most down to earth person and really just gave, was ne- never shy about giving fans hugs, which is, you know, so endearing. She was really sweet. And I mean, you know, I've had a, cu- a couple of thrills from my, from the 60s, I like to say, meeting some of the characters on the Andy Griffiths show. And then I actually used to also watch Batman from the 1960s. Mm-hmm. And I got to meet Burt Ward and Adam West and had like a seven minute conversation with Adam West. And both Burt and Adam were very, very friendly. And uh, again, when you get to meet those people and uh, and again, I idolized all of those Andy and Don Knotts and Batman and Robin and get to meet them. And they're so super nice. It's just such a great feeling. Yeah, for sure. And the one thing I was saying I didn't appreciate at the time was I, I, my family for years would do a reunion in Branson, Missouri. And they, one year we did a picnic out by, by one of the lakes and they are the large lake in Branson. And one of the, the bluegrass band brought one, a member of the Dillards and it was who'd been on the Andy Griffith show. It was quite, you know, yeah, it was just, it was just amazing. And I was like, I just didn't appreciate what, how significant that actually was at the time. It's surreal to when you're there in person with them and think, they're on the show that I watched continuously since the 1960s. It's just it's hard to believe. Mitch Jane, who was in the Dillards, who played one of the Darlings, said the whole town of Salem shut down the night that this episode first aired, which was pretty pretty <laughs> neat when you think about that. Yeah, totally. That, that is pretty cool. And, and I don't know if you know this, but did you know that this is, I think, the only episode in which the Darling Boys actually speak? You know, now they chop up episodes nowadays so they can get more commercials in. But if I remember correctly, they uh, they say thank you and good night to Aunt B uh, after after dinner. It's the only time they speak other than singing, of course. Of yeah. course they sing. And then if you look closely at Rodney, Rodney, in most of the episodes, he has this look with his mouth open. And if I uh, I watched the episode today, and I believe he didn't do this in the beginning, but toward the end of the episode, he opened his mouth and had that sort of uh, goofball look on his face, which uh, every time he, I've been to a concert and watched him do perform, he says, do you want to see what I look like on the Andy Griffith show? And he does that face, and it's hilarious. Oh, that does sound hilarious. Yeah. You know, it's funny, because Randy Turner, I was reading in, in at his book, The Mayberry Travel Guide, is this oh, yeah. was an instance where it was fun, that we're doing that was funny. And then he said, but then, you know, you could do the exact same thing in another, like some of the more sinister movies from the 70s, like Deliverance, another place where it's the silent person playing the music and it can be creepy. But in this one, it's just really, it's just really funny. (laughs) It really is. Yeah. So Briscoe starts filling his hat with water from a hose from the horse trough and dumps it into the radiator. And as you mentioned, Andy walks up and says hello. And Charlene is immediately smitten. And Briscoe sends her back to the truck, and it turns out she has already promised to a man they are meeting in town naming, named Private First Class W.A. Walsh. And this marriage has been arranged since they were five, and Briscoe <laughs> is not happy because he thinks Andy has the hots for Charlene. <laughs> you know, what I love about this episode, there's a lot of things I love about the episode besides many of the sayings that come out from the darlings. But, you know, Andy, you know, trying, he plays it so cool. And, he, you know, you don't see Andy lose his temper in these early episodes. And, you know, despite being accused of all these things, he just says, no, I don't have the hots for her. You know, I'm not another part of the episode. He says, I'm not even touching her, you know, because Briscoe's telling him to get his get his hands off of her. So I just love the way Andy handles this. And, and of course, Charlene's googly eyed at Andy's just funny, too. 
unbelievably level-headed for this. Yeah, that really is. <laughs> and it sets up for what we future when we meet Dudley. I get it a little bit. Um, so here we go. Yeah, and I mean, so Andy tells him about their being parked illegally and they can't take water out of the horse trough. And Briscoe's he's 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 done so, but he said he would step aside for a horse if one came by, which is funny. <laughs> and then Andy he asks Andy for a place to t- stay, and Andy sends him to the Mayberry Hotel. This is kind of neat at the hotel because we're we always associate John Masters with the choir, but he is, you know, it's also turns out he's the hotel clerk. And it's you know, things are gonna get crazy when Briscoe basically pays for a small room and that he only gets one and he wants it towards the back and then asks what time he leaves and and then they and so they sneak everyone in and then it's just funny later they're pulling everybody up, but it turns out one brother is still down and we go to black. (laughs) This episode, I will say, now they're going to have to point out a few things, Christopher, because we both watched this on Amazon Prime, and typically Amazon Prime runs the entire episode, but they cut portions of this with this one, and I'm not sure why. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, you, I don't. You, I don't watch it on Amazon Prime. I bought this on iTunes. Oh, well, then maybe maybe, maybe we're having two different experiences. Well. Maybe we did. Maybe we did. I'll when I will we'll, when I bring something up later and you tell me if you saw it, we'll uh, know what we're dealing with here. Excellent. Uh, I uh, one of the lines I love. I mean, there's so many lines in this show. All I need is a bed and a Bible. <laughs> and uh, you know, another thing about the boys in this episode, and I don't know whether you're going to mention this or not, but in the first this first episode, they called Doug Dillard Jebin, and I believe Dean Webb was, was called Other. And it's spelled just like other, and they later changed their names to they're all using their first names in this episode, which a lot of people don't notice. But, yeah, again, I just love that Briscoe's uh, bed in the Bible. <laughs> and he's so cool and so even keel. And, he, you know, he's – and the funny thing is, is Briscoe is – you know, he always seems like he – I mean, he is a character, but Briscoe's often like a couple of steps ahead of everybody, which is kind of funny, too. Well, he's head of the family, and uh, he shows that on numerous occasions and uh, trying to take care of everybody. And again, one of the things I loved about this, and I've, I've heard that Andy was asked several times what was the secret to the show, and he said, we all cared about each other. And so I think that comes through on almost every single episode of The Andy Griffith Show, and that's why we still care about it today. I agree. I agree. Later, the darlings are playing while John is out to dinner and Briscoe says they'll have to get better for Charlene's wedding. And Charlene then says, Dad, I don't even remember what Dud looks like. And it, which is which is just kind of funny when she says it that way. And then I think this is actually my favorite line on the entire show. Briscoe then says, let's play Slime River Bottom. And Charlene says that song always makes her cry. I don't know. That one always just makes me laugh. You know, I haven't seen the list lately, but I know someone compiled a list of songs that make any of the darlings cry. And it's, it's quite a long list. Oh, really? Yeah. It's a good, it's good music. I very much enjoy all the tunes throughout. That's a great oh, yeah. part about this episode. It yeah. really is. And John has heard them and he brings Andy by to take care of it. Andy knocks on the door and it takes a minute, but then Briscoe greets them alone with a jug. John storms in to look and Briscoe fibs and says he can make guitar and banjo banjo sounds with his jug, which is just great. And then Andy doesn't believe him and sees a rope around the heater. So he tells John that no one's there and they leave. When John walks, when they walk out, John he, Andy says, no, John, I know they're there. We'll get them. And then they go back to the clerk's desk. 
And again, the way Andy handles this is typical of the way Andy Taylor handles things in the show. Yeah. You know, he could have just busted in. He saw the ropes and looked, there's the rope, but he would rather catch them in the act because after that, they really can't deny anything. Yeah. Yeah. Laying the case. Yeah. So later at the clerk's desk, they start playing again and Andy sends John up, but tells him to wait two, two minutes before knocking. So it gives Andy time to go out back. John knocks and then Andy catches them all as they climb down the rope. And when he catches Charlene, she is just more than happy to be in Andy's arms. <laughs> and, 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 Jungle Jim. Yeah. And we go to commercial with the notion, knowing that the darlings are probably going to get booted out of the hotel. And, and again, Andy's patient demeanor, the way he handles it, you know, he could have put them in jail. He could have written them ticket. There's a lot of things he could have done, but what does he do? He takes care of them. Yep. Yeah. And so after the break, Aunt B and Andy are on the porch and she is asking if you like the white bean soup. And he said he <laughs> ate four bowls and she goes, yeah, but she didn't say anything. And he said, well, sometimes I think what is it? The actions say more than the words. Eating and, speaks louder than words. <laughs> eating, yeah, eating speaks louder than words. Yeah. Which I agree, but it also doesn't hurt to say thank you, Andy. <laughs> Absolutely, Chris. Yeah. Aunt B was really, I tell you something, I think Aunt B was really insecure about her white bean soup. I think she needed some real reassurance. Well, I bet it needed some flavor. White beans don't pack a lot of punch. Yeah. And then well, that's always the challenge with beans. Either you either they they can be too bland or you put too much in them. It's hard to really get them just right. You know, as we're discussing this, I was just gonna say, I don't know if I've ever eaten white beans. <laughs> We'll send you some. It'll be yeah, a perfect mellow nothing meal for you. <laughs> they are pretty. They are pretty bland unless you do something with them. Yeah. So the darlings start playing, and Andy just uh, Andy realizes it's them, and he he goes, "I'm going to head into town and see what's going on." And he finds them playing in a building that is empty but available for rent, and him knocking on the door. And Briscoe just uh, slowly, you know, turning the, um, you know, you know it out. Yeah, yeah, circling out the, uh, you know, whatever film is on the uh, door is the glass door is just great. It is. And, it is. Yeah. Well, you know, something else that strikes me about this episode is, you know, this is one of the episodes that, you know, I, I love the episodes obviously with Don Knotts in them, and this one doesn't include him. But in most of the episodes, Andy doesn't know ordinance numbers. He just knows there's laws. And Barney really calls out the ordinance numbers. But in this episode, Andy and even John Masters knows yeah. the, the ordinance yeah. number for the horse trough. Andy knows the ordinance number. So that's something I believe, you know, they just decided to let Barney have later on. But again, it was sort of unusual. Yeah, and no, I read uh, on Jim Fritzell and Everett Greenbaum, they were talking about writing this. And they said, you know, Don, not, I think he had it in his contract where he could take a week off here. Or there to recoup and or recover from just playing Barney. And that was why they gave him the ordinance numbers because, you know, they still, you know, normally it would have just been Barney, but they gave it to Andy because Don Knotts wasn't around. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, when the darlings come out and all we see is Charlene's arm around from around the door rubbing <laughs> Andy's chest, that is just, that is so funny. It's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, again, this, I think it's, if not the best, one of the best situation comedies of all time, but the writing on this show is just spectacular. I mean, the, this, this, the morals of many of the stories, the humor, most of the time, the humor is not overdone, you know, just sitting on the porch and talking, playing songs, all the things that they did in the show. I just don't think it's ever going to be replicated. I agree with that. And I mean, I think the only show that I have ever felt like 
duplicated just the number of crazy characters, crazy memorable characters that just pop in and pop out was Seinfeld. But obviously that yeah. show did not have the warmth of the Andy Griffith show. Not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> no, no, not at all. <laughs> I don't think it has the volume either. I mean, Seinfeld does it quite a bit, but I think the amount of characters that come in and out and feel like they're regulars in Andy Griffith's show. So yeah, I've actually seen Jerry Seinfeld do a comedy show twice. And uh, oh. yeah, he's funny on stage. And and at the show, somebody yell, where's George? And <laughs> the way he handled that, he would just say, George was a fictional character. This is real life. <laughs> you know, he was saying it. He wasn't trying to be mean. He was just being funny. That's funny. Then another funny line that comes out after the after they get Charlene off of Andy is Briscoe tells Andy to stop tantalizing her, which is just, <laughs> just great. Yeah, no, Andy, of all people, tantalizing somebody. I just think that's great. Oh, yeah. And so they leave and Andy invites them to stay at the jail. Later, Aunt B is wrapping up from feeding them at the jail. More, you know, she was able to serve more of her white bean soup. And Andy leaves and grabs his guitar and they start to play. And Charlene, and basically, you know, Briscoe's like, try to keep up if you can. And Andy can keep up. But Char Charlene puts her foot on him and winks. And so, Kevin, I don't mean to pull you into the drama of what, what was on Amazon versus what was on iTunes. But I think if you're an Andy Griffith fan, it's, you know, that's part of the knowing who cuts, you know, seeing what, what how the show episodes get chopped up is almost part of the drama of following the show about, about who syndicates it and where it airs. And Christopher, I don't know what this there. I had to look this up because I remember this, but she, Charlene sings Salty Dog before we go to black. And that was immediate. That was completely cut from what I was watching on Amazon. Yeah, I don't think I had that either. But I'm, of course, very nervous about being on record with this. But I don't think I saw that either. <laughs> well, there's there's so many versions. Uh, and, you know, again, they've chopped up so many of the episodes to get in those commercials. You know, nothing surprises me what they've cut. Uh, but uh, again, uh, it's just still a great show. And, you know, I don't I, I'd hate to be the person trying to decide what to cut. That would be really difficult. Well, I, the thing of it is, is like if you're paid, like we're buying these off of Amazon and iTunes. And the idea is, is they're all supposed to be like the entire show is supposed to be there. I mean, epilogue and all. I mean, that's what we're paying for. I mean, so I'm a little I I, I, I might have to write a very stern review. I don't know. Hey, Mr. Mean, Bezos, <laughs> I treated me out of 60 seconds of a show. <laughs> you know, in the middle 2000s, I ordered the DVDs, uh, still have them, and I believe it was seasons two and three came without laugh tracks. Uh -oh. And so, and I was really shocked. I was watching it, and I can't remember which episode that I saw, but I'm like, I thought they were laughing here. They were, and so then I went on and started searching. I found out that they had actually duplicated these episodes accidentally without laugh tracks. And I, again, I don't remember where I bought the DVDs, but I, I wrote to the people that sold me the DVDs, and they sent me brand-new DVDs of those seasons with the laugh tracks. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. By the way, one of the things I wanted to bring up here is Andy's, for the word idea, in this episode says, Idy. You know, and I have relatives here in North Carolina. Uh, you know, I've had relatives instead of saying tomatoes, say mater, mm -hmm. instead of sandwich, sandwich. But idy is a word that I remember hearing a lot of times growing up. I got a good idy. <laughs> <laughs> and so I love the fact that Andy, you know, used some of that same language, you know, in the show that which made it even more realistic. 
Absolutely. It's what well, it is funny. It's one of those things. Maybe it's because the darlings came to town. Even he started going back into um, some more of his more of his, you know, more words that he didn't often use. I mean, I've heard people. Well, some people will tell me that if I get around people from, you know, that I grew up with or, or I go back home, that my accent will come out even more than it more than it does. I don't I don't I have some of an accent, but I don't I mean, I always joke. I'm like, if you people will tell me up here where I live at, right outside of Washington, D.C., that I have a very distinct accent. And I will always say. Yeah, it's really nothing compared to folks that, you know, to, to others that I grew up with, but it comes out a little more at different times. Uh, the first day that I met my advisor when I was studying for my doctoral degree at Florida State, he calls me into the office and we're meeting for the very first time. And he looks at me and says, Kevin, we're going to have to get rid of your Southern accent. And I'm like, really? You know, of course, I didn't even realize I had one. <laughs> and I said, why? He said, people don't equate intelligence with a Southern accent. And I thought, that's uh, a little bit condescending, but, you know, he's my advisor. Let it go. Believe it or not, one of the, I think it was the second job I applied for. They ran out of money to interview people in person, so I had to do it totally by telephone. And when I did the interview, I mentioned a joke about uh, don't let my southern accent throw you. People don't equate intelligence with southern accent. Got hired. And a lady that was on the search committee that hired me came back and said, you remember that comment you made about southern accent? I said, yeah. She goes, when I was listening to you on the phone, I thought, gosh, this guy does not sound intelligent at all. Then when you made that joke, I realized that I was really discriminating against you because of your Southern accent. And I'm like, wow, I'm glad I said it then. So he was right. Yeah, no, it's funny. I've had people come up to me also. And it's almost like the reverse of it. It's we want you know when they say I just love hearing your accent and it's just um and there and you know when I was younger and uh, and women would say that I'd be like okay that's one thing but now when you know if a guy if a man says that to me I want to be like yeah I love your bald spot it's so cute I mean you know it's kind of what you want to say well I've never complimented your accent Aaron and I don't I don't intend to so okay <laughs> by the way that that job that I was talking about was in the Midwest and that's where I met my wife and oh. we moved her south many years ago and her southern accent now is much stronger than mine is <laughs> which her family loves oh wow <laughs> that is funny. I I do wonder, you know, it's kind of like when people from you know, the United States move to move to the UK and they come back with British accents. You're kind of like, how does this how does this happen? <laughs> yeah, it is interesting. Yeah. So the next morning, the brisk Briscoe and the and the rest of the darlings can't find Charlene, and they cut to Charlene chasing Andy around the jail, <laughs> and um, she catches him just as the darling comes in, as the darlings come in, and Briscoe suggests that Andy and Dud fight it out for for Charlene, and Andy's just had enough at this point. He says, "I'm just going to head to the bus station to meet Dud and explain what's going on," and the darlings follow him. And Boy, do they meet Dud. They meet Dud. <laughs> Dud gets well, off the bus. He's got like a bit of a Gomer Pyle met Cousin Virgil type thing going on. <laughs> Correct. Well, you know, it's funny. while she's chasing Andy, it I had to run this back many times. I couldn't understand what she was saying when he said, I'm old enough to be your father. And she goes, well, you sure are beautiful preserved. I mean, I had to run that back over <laughs> and over to figure out what she was saying. But, it, you know, it's hilarious. And, and by the way, when Dud gets off the bus... They play the laugh track there, and so <laughs> you're right. He has a he has a particular look that uh, uh, is definitely different than anybody we've seen on the show so far. Yeah, yeah, and he um, 
and it's funny he's he's he sees her and he's just like oh charlene i've missed you and he starts to take his valuables out of his money belt and these are all things that charlene gave him and then she jumps into dud's arms and the darlings leave and briscoe says some folks got it and some folks ain't and it looks on and you know andy just looks on and we close yeah it's you know uh the other thing that really is people don't realize the the actor Hoke Howell who plays Dud Wash, you're talking about an acting resume. He was on numerous television shows, and actually he uh, was in some uh, movies with very other famous actors. He was in a movie with Jimmy Stewart, uh, James Garner, Lee Marvin, and he was in the, a film directed and starring. Remember Grand Theft Auto, directed by Ron Howard. Oh yeah. Yeah, he was in that film as well. And then uh, he was also in Far and Away, which Ron Howard also directed and starred Tom Cruise. So, I mean, he had a an amazing, uh, amazing number of, uh, if you ever look him up on IMDb, you'll be amazed at how many uh, acting appearances he had. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's, 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 uh, that's impressive. I did not, re- I have to look back and look that up. I mean, I've seen both Grand Theft Auto and Far and Away, so I'll be curious to take a look and see which characters he, he plays. Yeah. The piece that I would add here is that coming off the bus, this felt so much like Forrest Gump and Jenny coming on. (laughs) Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. So Christopher did, um, did you have an epilogue on your episode or did it end here? We did. Tell me what it is and I'll tell you if I saw it. Don't put me on the spot like this. <laughs> I didn't have the epilogue. That's why I'm asking you. But I will tell you, the epilogue that should have been on Amazon Prime um, has Andy marrying Dud and Charlene at the courthouse. Yes. And, yes. And, okay. All right. So can you tell us what happened? Andy marries Dud and Charlene at the courthouse. Well, I, so the thing that I thought was that they were practicing to play, and they don't actually play at the wedding. So I thought that that was a little ridiculous. But yeah, they they get married and it's like 11 o'clock and then they hightail it on out of there. It's kind of a dud of a wedding. Well, he, <laughs> but he does take payment in a song where... For the he f- does, but it's not like... I was thinking like a reception, right? They were going to charge him two bucks and he just went for a song and then it's real hokey. But it wasn't like, you know, for how much they were practicing, they weren't preparing to do a song, right? It's more of an afterthought. Yeah. And, you know, I often wonder, would Andy get in trouble with... Uh, Hit with the mayor for taking a song instead of two dollar fee. <laughs> Great question. Yeah, I mean, fortunately, Mayor Stoner is not around to really be a stickler, and neither is Barney. So it sounds like he might be able to just get by without yeah. without getting in trouble. Yeah. So um, how many? So so Kevin, I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to our podcast, but what we do at the end of each one is we do whistles. And basically, we rate them by whistles. It's basically on a scale of one to 10, one being the worst, 10 being the best. I'll go first. I will give this eight whistles. Good episode, good characters, new, new, you know, great, great fun. I will give this eight whistles, but, and then I also have loved recording this with Ken, but, or sorry, with Kevin, sorry. And I want to just push back though, Aaron, that like, if we do one again, where you're going to like ask me to repeat some scenes, then we need to take some better notes. So I've been put on blast here. So this overall recording experience has been a five. I mean, <laughs> the recording experience was a five. 
I would say Amazon's cut of this episode gets a five two. I mean, it's you know, it's not as good, but I, I apologize for putting you on the spot, Christopher. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, I would give it a, a nine whistles, and I can't give it ten because Don Knotts is not in the episode. But and what, again, what I really enjoy about the episode was the writing, the the use of the sayings that they they came up with, the way they interacted, how Andy handled things. I mean, it's just and you know, remember this was the first time the Darlings appear on the Andy Griffith Show, so I just thought the way they introduced them and utilized them was really awesome, and it's just I just love the episode. Yeah, no, it's a great episode, and we appreciate you taking the time to be here with us and break it down. If folks want to find you and, f- and learn more about Kevin Burke and Burke on Mayberry, where should they go? Well, there's two uh, websites they can go to. They've got BurkeOnMayberry.com, which is mo- mostly devoted to the Andy Griffith Show podcast that I do. If they want to know more about me, and it's a lot more boring than Burke on Mayberry, they can go to KevinLBurke.com. Hey, do I have time to share a story with you that Clint Howard uh, shared with me? Please. Of course. Of course, Clint's not on this episode, but playing little Leon, he came to Mayberry Days and uh, got got to meet him and talk with him. And I, I said, Clint, I said, I know you did How the Grinch Stole Christmas. I said, the makeup on that film was amazing. I said, could you tell me how long it took to get your makeup on? He's all oh, it took me a couple of hours easily. He said, but that's nothing. He said, Jim Carrey would be in, and I might have the hours wrong, in the chair for four to six hours. And he said, the, the amount of makeup Uh, preparation he had to go through was awful and that he really was starting to get depressed with, you know, having to sit in the makeup chair. And so, of course, that was directed by Ron Howard. And so uh, without telling Jim Carrey he was doing this, they were filming a scene, if I remember this correctly, and Jim Carrey's up on the mountain playing uh, the Grinch. And all of a sudden, Jim Carrey looks down on the set and Don Knotts is standing on the set. And Jim Carrey idolized Don Knotts. He said, and Clint said, when Jim saw Don, he jumped off the set, ran down to Don Knotts and started doing imitations of Don Knotts right in front of him. And Don Knotts was cracking up and he and Don Knotts left and stayed gone for an hour or two. And he said, Ron Howard said it was one of the greatest moves he ever made, but it was also a big mistake because he said when, when Jim Carrey was imitating Don Knotts to Don Knotts, he didn't film it. He said, I wish like, oh, I wish I'd have filmed him doing that. It would have been so awesome. (laughs) Uh, I would have loved to have. Everybody would have loved to have seen that. That would have been amazing. Oh, yeah. So uh, I just love the fact that he shared that story with me. Yeah, that's great. So any final thoughts? Again, uh, I appreciate you having me on this episode. Really don't believe you can get enough of the Andy Griffith Show. I hope it continues as, as long as the world continues. I hope the world will continue to enjoy the Andy Griffith Show. And, and I know that when I'm around young people who haven't watched the show, and if their parents are around, I look at their parents and say, do you want your children to be raised right? Do you want them to understand morals? Here's something on television. You can let them sit and watch, and you don't have to worry about anything. And I know you'll watch it with them, but you don't have to because there's nothing to worry about. So, you know, again, one of the greatest uh, sitcoms of all time. Yeah, for sure. What a way to end. Yeah. Well, <laughs> thanks for taking the time, and thanks for listening. Check us out on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. And if you think about it, subscribe. Next week, we're doing Andy's English Valet. And until then, Christopher, stop tantalizing people. (laughs) Aww. Bye. Thanks for having me.